You Are What You Read is brought to you by Book of the Month, a monthly subscription service that allows you to curate your own original box of books each month from a selection of hundreds of bestsellers. Book of the Month features diverse and current titles for all readers, and they make their subscription options easy and flexible so you can spend less time researching and more time reading. Behind on your reading list? Skip your monthly selection and use a credit for a book the next month. Do you prefer to listen to titles when you're on the go? Opt for an audiobook. Book of the Month has a reading experience just for you. If you're already reading most Book of the Month titles, try a membership. Right now with our exclusive discount for You Are What You Read podcast listeners. You can head to bookofthemonth.com to get your first book for just $9.99. Just use code ADRI, that's A-D-R-I, at checkout. Happy reading! Dear readers and listeners, you are in for a treat. We're on location this week in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The library system invited Kristen Hanna down to talk about her number one with a bullet bestseller, The Women, the story of a nurse named Frankie during the Vietnam War and what she came home to afterwards. I adore Kristen as a friend, fellow mother. She's the greatest. Ladies and gentlemen, Kristen Hanna. Today, you're leaving with a modern masterpiece, The Women by Kristen Hanna. Let me tell you about her. You know, we've been around, haven't we? Where's Kay Rohr? Where is she? She backstage? All right. She's always, she she built this ship for us today. I've been on the phone more with Kay than I have with my husband, which is not very often. Okay. Who cares about them? Long as they're handy. Long as they can fix things, girls. Handy's the new sexy. Okay. Somebody stitch that and send it to me. Okay. Now, Kristen's backstage with her husband, Ben. He's very handsome and he has a full head of hair, which to me, after 50, put that in the plus column. Okay. All right. You know her. Number one, number one, number one, four wins, the great alone. Oh, the nightingale, right? Mom. She is a doll. Now, I can't get up here and say that in a house of worship and be honest all the time. She is a good girl, which means she leads with love. And she leads with her talent and she leads with connectivity. What matters to her is that you enjoy it, that it reaches you. And we're going to talk about the new one today. But because she looks so good, I don't want to keep her behind that curtain anymore. <laughs> Give a warm Lancaster welcome to Kristen Hanna. Oh, God. oh yes. <laughs> wow. 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 Yay. <laughs> Ah, 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 oh, oh, the excitement. How are the lemons doing up there? Do you need oxygen? Okay. You know, in an Italian family, when you get the seats that are kind of removed, it means you were a late responder. <laughs> if you're sitting near the kitchen, we're punishing you, aren't we? I'm sorry, that's the way we roll. 
All right. Kristen, I call this a modern masterpiece, and it is because, let's be honest, like when we did the four wins, we had a conversation. This is the first time we've met in person, yes. but we've been friends for many, many, many years. Actually, I bet you don't remember this. I bet you don't even know this, but we were at the same publisher for many, many years. I was like a newbie, and you were like super famous, and you were the first ever person to quote a novel for me that I didn't know. So I have always remembered that. Well, I've loved you forever because, frankly, I know when I pick up a new book from you that it's going to be an, an adventure, a hayride, and deeply emotionally moving. And man, did I cry. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons. And, you know, as you can tell, I have a hard time keeping a secret. <laughs> so I'm going to try to keep everything secret. But you know that it's set during the Vietnam War. And so that means every person in this audience has somebody who either went to that war, was lost in that war, everybody was affected by that war. We were talking about our families backstage and, and I have a cousin. And it's very interesting when a woman puts her lens on a war. So let's start with that, Kristen. Okay. Why did you choose this? So this is a book um, that I wanted to write. I first pitched this idea to my then editor in 1997. Yeah. That's almost, how many years ago is that? Somebody do the math. Yeah. Long time. Long time. Yeah. It wasn't this exact story, but, uh, you know, a Vietnam era book. And my editor, who at the time... Um, was a few years older than me, and she had been at Berkeley in 1968. And she said, Kristen, honey, you aren't old enough and you aren't good enough. Come back when you are. And well, that was snarky. It was, but you know what? She was right. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't old enough. I, I didn't have enough life under my belt. I, you know, I just didn't, um, I wasn't quite ready. And the reason I wanted to write it was I had, you know, I was a child during the Vietnam War, and it cast a big shadow mm -hmm. over all of our lives. There were three news, you know, three channels of television, and we were all watching the, the broadcasts about the news every night. And my then best friend, her father was a pilot who was shot down and lost, mm -hmm. uh, missing in action. And so we all wore these, like, you know, these POW bracelets. And so his name and the date he was lost was on me for decades because the idea was you would wear these bracelets in remembrance until the servicemen came home. And, and then, of course, I saw how the Vietnam veterans were treated when they came home. Um, and, and it just it impacted me profoundly. And so, so that sort of is what made me want to write this story. And then, but I kept saying to myself, maybe I'm not ready, you know, I don't think I'm good enough yet, I don't think I'm good enough yet. And, and then I heard you clapping for the nightingale, thank you. Um, after, thank you, thank you, it's so sweet. Um, and, and after the nightingale, I 
thought, gosh, I think I'm getting better. Um, I feel like, like maybe I'm, you know, going to be ready for this, but I, I still wasn't quite ready to tackle the daunting research, mm -hmm. and I didn't have the exact story. And then in March of 2020, mm -hmm. um, I live in Seattle, and we were on full lockdown. I live on a small island, actually, so lockdown where I live is locked down. And, um, and I was watching the news and seeing how divided our country was, how angry everybody was, and how frightened and, you know, and I thought to myself, boy, that feels, feels familiar, yeah, feels yeah, like, you know, yeah. the late 60s again. And, and then I was watching our nurses and doctors on the front line of the pandemic and seeing them sacrifice so much for us. And all of a sudden, it just clicked, and I went, I'm going to write about the nurses in Vietnam. Frankie, the character Frankie, is, is a bit of a miracle to me. Mm -hmm. Because you do something with that character, which is why I call this book a masterpiece. She's an innocent. She starts out, and, and you do this in your books, and it's, it's so artful. The narrative arc is always clean. She, we know she's going to go on a journey. We don't know where she's going or what's going to happen, but we know it's something's going to happen. We know it's coming. Yeah. I loved the fact that you took an innocent character who comes from what they used to call, of course, we're all good now, a good family. You know, you know what I mean? That basically meant you kept your nose clean, right? Mm -hmm. And there were some means there and, and taught to do the right thing but then she really takes a huge chance, a risk on herself. She decides to do something based on a, an event that happens to someone she loves dearly. Yeah, I mean, she and Frankie is a fictional character. Um, she is my favorite character I've ever written, by the way, I, so I could far. Tell. I, I mean, could I, tell. Really, I really loved her. And, but she really came from the research. Um, the... You know, obviously the nurses who went to Vietnam all volunteered. And they were mostly, you know, young. I mean, I think of how young they were. 21 years old, mostly just freshly out of nursing school. Having come of age essentially in the late 50s, right? Mm -hmm. So they're a very conservative time. And, and Frankie lives in a very um, conservative community, Coronado Island. And... Um, and they are raised, were raised on the patriotic stories of the greatest generation service in uh, World War II, which were their parents. And so Frankie, um, her brother ships off and goes to war, and her parents are so proud of him, the whole community is so proud of him. And so she thinks to herself, I could serve my country too. Uh, I guess I'll just stop by and, you know, join the, join the Army Nurse Corps. And she does this uh, expecting that her parents will be proud of her as well. And um, that is not the case. Her parents are actually horrified at the idea that, you know, she will, she will go to war. And, and, of course, you know, when you talk about her arc in this story, it's... You know, she's innocent, she's patriotic, she is trying to do the right thing. She goes to war. Um, it's a terrible place to be. She has, you know, terrible nursing skills. 
And, and then she comes home, you know, after two tours to a very different America yes. than the America that she left. And um, like so many of the Vietnam veterans, she was just um, told to forget about it and go on. We don't want to talk about this war. Well, the, it, it, your writing is so atmospheric. You know, I, 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 movies like Coming Home, The Deer Hunter, Born on the Fourth of July, you know all those movies we watched. Um, even uh, uh, the Francis Ford Coppola movie, Apocalypse Now. But I have to tell you, I haven't read anybody write it like you. It, you made it real for me. Th those movies, they were off-putting. They were scared me. They scared me. But this book, I've, I'm folded into this reality that only you could deliver on the page. I, I, I don't think anybody else could do this because you have an understanding of her and where she's going. And I never sensed for a minute, Kristen, that there was anything in this book that wasn't true. Yeah. And that's that, the that's a, that's a, That is an incredible yeah. skill set. Incredible. It's such, um, I guess I just think it's so important. I mean, um, I was lucky enough uh, in November of last year to go to Veterans Day in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. with the nurses who served for the 30th um, anniversary of the Women's Vietnam Memorial. And I can't even tell you what it was like to be standing, you know, the wall is behind us, reflecting the color guard, and honor guard, and, and a sea, a hundred mm -hmm. female nurses standing in front of their own memorial. And, you know, to hear them stand up and tell their stories and, and, and I, you know, I, I don't know that it's about wanting gratitude, but it's about deserving gratitude. Well, you know, now you're hitting a great point. Yeah. How many nurses we have here? Nurses, yeah. doctors. Somebody, look, look. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they, they not only save us, they shore us up, they rebuild us, they put us back together, and they send us back home. I mean, this is, this is a skill set. Again, I mean, amazing. And, and, you know, like you and I were talking about backstage, there are so many lost women's historical stories, you know? I mean, one of the things that's driven me for the, the past decade is, you know, you go to college, you go to high school, and you don't learn what the women well, were doing at any, at any given point, right? And even when you're living through it, because now I apparently write historical, knowledge, uh, historical novels in my own time period. Um, <laughs> that's when you know you're, you're aging out, let me tell you. Um, but these stories are so important. And now I have a granddaughter and I have a daughter-in-law and I want them to know the power and the resilience and the grit that women have always shown mm. and, and not been, you know, talked about. Well, half of history hasn't been written because women aren't in it. <laughs> That's right. Half, half, right <laughs> off the top. That's right. Half. And the other thing, this, I kept making notes to myself as I was reading. I mean, you really are, you're going to go home, curl up and write to me and write to Chris. <laughs> it's that good. I'm just telling you, it's great. But I'm reminded of the wheel. Find the thing you love to do. Be the best at it and serve humanity. 
But Kristen Hanna introduces the fourth wheel in that concept, which is you must give recognition. You must give recognition to the people who sacrifice for you. I mean, what a great concept in a church. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've written about this before because I just feel so profoundly that if you talk about the great alone. Well, the great alone, I mean, home front, home front, uh, you know, about a female Blackhawk pilot. If if we Mm -hmm. as Americans are going to ask other Americans to put themselves in harm's way for us to protect us, we need to take care of them when they come home and give them whatever they need. I think what I also love about your work is there's, a, there's always a moral heart beating in it. There's, a, there's, there's reason and there's a, a, there's a resolute heart in your books. I know where you're coming from. And I, and I think that's why everybody came today. I think they read it. And, and in this day and age, we need this. We need you to shine a light where there's darkness. So to that end, my question is, how intentional is it when you created Frankie? Because when you get to the end, the whole circle's drawn for you. How, How important was it to you to give her a good heart? Because you didn't, I said it like this, Chris. Sorry, I've got to refer to my notes. (laughs) You help us understand that you can be made of strong stuff, have an education, character, and connections, and still be troubled, hobbled by what life throws you. Well, because, and and I've said this before, in fiction like in life, adversity reveals character. And... And I think, you know, you, you don't find out who you are. You don't find out what you're made of on your best day. You know, you find out what you have inside of you on your worst day. And I think, you know, back when I was a, a young writer um, and trying to learn how to write, everybody always talked about your voice. You know, a, a writer has to have a voice. And you, you, you think to yourself, okay, uh, like, how do I acquire this voice? Um, you know, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing, and is, is it how I put the words together? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, what story I choose to tell? And the truth is that it's that, but for me, what it really is, is my worldview and my moral code and what I believe in. And so I think like a lot of my readers think they know me, and you do. You do know you do. me. Because everything that I believe is important, everything that I care about, you know, motherhood, sisterhood, family, confidence, women finding their voices, all of these things are what I believe in the most. And so that's what I'm trying to sort of do in my fiction, I think, to obviously educate, you know, readers. I do the, the research so you don't have to. Um, and, you know, kind of tell you what's going on, but mostly to make you deeply um, empathize 
with somebody who's maybe not like you, because I think that's the, that's the gift of fiction. You, um, you wrote two... I have many favorite characters from this book. I love the nurses over in Vietnam, but I really love the mother. I love Frankie's <laughs> mother and her father because her father was of the greatest generation. And every woman and man in this room knows the profile of people that fought in that war over there. We, the stories in our families. We couldn't get details out of the men. We could, they wouldn't tell us. Well, tell us what happened. Tell us. And they just wouldn't talk about it. So for me, it was, a, it, was, it was a beautiful gift to read a character that was living it. Mm -hmm. Now I have an idea what was going <laughs> on over there, you know? I, I didn't know. Um, and, and also, it's a very, very difficult topic, war, and you don't want to think about it. I mean, the, the current news, I, I, I can't get my head around it sometimes. Well, you know, I was talking to Anne earlier. Um, uh -huh about this very topic, about storytelling, mm -hmm. and, and how telling one's story um, saves you yeah. and relieves you and, and sort of reboots you. And keeping your story in and not telling people sort of fosters shame and disappointment. And I just think it is, it's so important. You can see in all my books, like, you know, the Great Depression, whatever it is, I am on a, I guess a, I don't know, I want families to tell each other their own stories. Um, and if this book gets people to talk about their Vietnam experiences, um, you know, I had a woman come up to me a couple of nights ago and she said, I'm from a Gold Star Vietnam family. And she said, we have grieved in silence and in shame for 40 years. And it, it just, I don't know, it just leaves me speechless, you know. And I'm so hopeful that, that this book will start that conversation. And you do it in such, um, look, look, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Sometimes it's brutal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's brutal. And there's points in the book where you, you're afraid for her. She's going to turn on herself. <laughs> uh, you are. I was scared. Um, well, it's one of my oh, books. Oh, <laughs> we could listen. We could go down in a fireball in two seconds up here, and you all would be like, yeah, I saw that coming. But <laughs> be that as it may, Frankie, Frankie, I got mad at her. Mm -hmm. Then I rooted for her. By the end of the book, I loved her. Because she represented every woman to me. Can you speak yeah. to that? Well, that's because we all live a version of the same life. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we all care about the same things. And, and it was heartbreaking for me to see this young woman, Frankie, and I know I sound psychotic because I made her up, but, um, <laughs> you know, to see her lose her confidence and lose her way and, and not know how to proceed. Because as you point out, she's a good girl. She comes from a good family. She's always trying to do the right thing. When people tell her, just forget about the war and go on, you'll be fine. She tries. And, you know, she's got undiagnosed PTSD and she can't get help from the VA, she can't get help from, from anyone because nobody believes that, you know, 
that women were even in Vietnam, but certainly people who weren't in combat, um, you know, couldn't suffer traumatic emotional injuries. And so she's, you know, she's trying so hard and she fails. And I think, again, that's, um, that's what happens when we, lit, when we internalize shame, when we don't get help, when we feel alone. And so I was, you know, mad at myself that I was putting her through all of this stuff because I just wanted to, it could have been a short story, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'd have said, hey, I'm fine. Um, but it was really important to show the truth. And, and interestingly enough in this book, um, I did what I think is kind of a plot twist, which I don't do. I'm a very straightforward, you know, you can see where it's going kind of gal. And, um, and you know, Frankie makes some bad choices. She makes some really bad choices. <laughs> and she still loves them even after she makes the bad choices. Yeah. But, you know, we love a love story. I love a love story. Who and we, doesn't love a love story? We love right? a love story, and we, you know, we root. We, it was a little hard to root for her in that situation. <laughs> but I thought, well, where is this going? Yeah, I mean, it, it's that it's, was a twisty turning. It was, it, yeah, and that, I, that was kind of. I, I thought that was fun, just messing with y'all. <laughs> well, you know, we got we got a lot of folks in the audience that'll be home by three o'clock for General Hospital, so they like a little sizzle. <laughs> it's a little sizzle. Not too much, not too little, just right in the middle. Little sizzle. So there's a little sizzle. And there's also, again, her family, her family. You're on a mission with the family. Uh, yes, I mean, she was an interesting um, choice. Uh, the, that family dynamic was interesting because they really were part of the conflict, part yes. of... Part of her whole problem, you know, was her parents' inability to, to support her service and to support her when she came home. But the flip side of that, um, I think the real beating heart of this novel, this will surprise none of you, is the female friendship. The, yes. these, these three women who become friends in war, in wartime, who probably wouldn't even have met each other That's otherwise. Right. That's right. And she and didn't know any black people before she no. went to the war. <laughs> yeah. She didn't know any people of color. How's yeah. this possible? But then you open it up like a rose. Mm -hmm. Those become, they all find each other. They well, become and, best friends. And, and I mean, I think we all know that our girlfriends save us. I oh. mean, our girlfriends are there for us, right? Yeah. And. Because it ain't a man. <laughs> well, there's some really good men in this book. Well, listen, we love men. I know. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> Fabulous. And you write good-looking men, too, which I like to do. <laughs> because we don't want to spend 10 years with an unattractive man. <laughs> Ridiculous. So there's some Rye, very hot. Yes, right. And his name is Rye. So you're thinking booze the entire time. He's in the <laughs> That's right. It's true. It's really true. Probably how you kept him delineated, <laughs> yes, it right? Yes, yes. 
So, so you write novels that are earth shattering for the characters, but not necessarily earth shattering for the culture or the earth. It's for the characters. Mm-hmm. What happens is the backdrops are, it doesn't just frame them, but it determines how they end. Had there been no Vietnam War, there'd have been no Frankie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There wouldn't have been a Frankie. Well, and that's, that's the fun part. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I hear a lot about how, for example, uh, it's very visceral, especially the part that's in the war. You know, it's very, it's, it's brutal, it's dark, it's, it's war, it's, it's difficult. And that's like a direct line back to my geek girl youth when I read science fiction and fantasy all the time. And it's all about world building, right? So weird to me that you read (laughs) sci-fi. There's nothing fantastical in any of your books that I can tell. You know what? My first, uh, the first five novels I wrote, um, romance novels, and there was time travel, there was reincarnation. All right, well, I need to go back and read those. All that stuff, yeah. Who's read those? Oh. Got got some diehards up and through here. Got some diehards. Okay. So you put it in there, but, it's, but, yeah. but do you know how, this is what got me. You're going to stay in the world of it. You know how authors will take you out of the world when it gets too brutal? Oh, yeah. Oh, you never did. Well, I love Stephen King, too. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, I love, I, I, I You like love, the relentless. I, you know what, it's not that. I mean, it is that, but um, I love a story and a setting and a novel that makes you feel something deeply. Humor, you know, anger, horror, whatever it is, I want you to feel it fully. And Mm -hmm. one of the things, the reason that it's so, I guess, difficult in the war is another part of my campaign uh, that comes from Homefront as well is this idea that women um, who were working in these hospitals in Vietnam were not in combat. And I wanted you to finish this novel and think to yourself, like I do, that's combat. You know, oh, it's combat from the minute she combat. drops there. Yes. The minute, you may not be holding a gun, you know, you may not be, um, you know, on that, in that kind of combat, but it is, it is combat, and I wanted you to know that. Your life her life is on the line the entire time. This is something that you do so expertly. Where every, every time she tried to, any, like if she went to the latrine, I was in a panic. Uh-oh. <laughs> if, if she went to work, and, and how ill-prepared this poor woman was it, with the wrong clothes. And if she had like a neat uniform in there. Yeah. All of which the girls were like, you'll never, you're not, her fellow nurse is like. Yeah. I mean, she brings a little spring dress because maybe she'll need it Maybe over there'll there. be a party. Right? <laughs> the way you yes. describe the food, the experience yes. of being in the service, I really felt like I, I went. Well, I had some amazing help on this novel. Um, once I finished uh, the first draft, so mm-hmm. obviously it was a lot of research. And once I finished the first draft, 
I thought to myself, okay, somebody who was there needs to read this because this is just a lot of stuff. And this is the first time really that I've written a historical novel where I knew that a huge section of my readership would actually have lived through this time period and have personal experience with it. Right. And so I thought, okay, I better get this right. And so there was a woman named Diane Carlson Evans who was an army um, nurse uh, and wrote an exceptional memoir called Healing Wounds about her, her service in Vietnam. And she is the founder of the Women's Memorial. And mm. so she's just a powerhouse of a woman. And I really just like stalked her online. And you know, that's the, the internet. So I'm sending out, you know, um, emails to every single address or person I can find connected with her, you know, saying, you know, would you be willing to read my new novel? And, um, and thinking nothing's going to come of it. And she wrote me back. And lucky for me, she had read The Nightingale. And so I think she thought I was legit. And, um, and so she said, sure. And so she read it, and then she, you know, she said, I don't think you have a very good grasp of the geography. And I said, well, that's probably true. <laughs> she said, so I'm going to send it to a helicopter pilot friend of mine. And so she just kept pushing me on um, to other other people to read it, and and the response I got from the the veterans who read it was just so I don't know empowering, and I and I started to believe in the novel even more after I finished it mm -hmm. than I had felt in writing it. Did you uh, when you were doing the research? What surprised you? What what came across your desk where you went, oh, I, I, I that's got to be in there. You know, um, the thing that, I, that, I, that most surprised me was I would read these, there's great um, nurses' memoirs, um, and I've listed them in the back of the book, and I highly recommend every book that I have listed back there. Um, but I kept reading in these, these nurses' memoirs that they were being told there were no women in Vietnam. So they would go to the Veterans Administration to get help um, for you know, their PTSD or whatever, and they were told there were no women in Vietnam, we can't help you. And on peace marches after the war, they were told they couldn't march with the veterans because there had been no women in Vietnam. And so, and I kept thinking to myself, that just cannot be true. It, it cannot be true. Did they not see MASH? I mean, like, <laughs> How do you not know, right? And, um, and so when I met, you know, this big group of nurses um, uh, in Washington, D.C., I kept asking them, is that, was that true? Kristen, this is the waft and weave of the lack of half of history not being written. I know. I mean, it, go, it goes back every single war. You can go back to Molly no. Pitcher. Isn't well, she on the highway? She right? We learned that, didn't we? She delivered water and nursing assistance, but, yeah. but, but it's just never written right. about. Well, and that, That's where you blow us out of the water by writing this. As I mean, the it has to be done. Nurses said to me, uh, you know, and said to the men, if you never saw a woman in Vietnam, you were lucky, right? You weren't in a hospital. You weren't, you know, 
And so, um, anyway, yeah, it, it is important. That's a good, that is a really illuminating thing. Isn't if you it? weren't in a hospital, you didn't see a woman. Mm-hmm. Kind of like my house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Could we please, because this is something else, everybody. Every human being, so that's all these thousands of folks in this room and all of us on stage and backstage have suffered trauma, some kind. Loss, grief, pain, and it doesn't just come from war. One of the things that that got that had deep meaning for me when I read this and really moved me emotionally was how do we get through it? How do we get through trauma? And you, you pulled your character through the trauma. How, how, how did you arc that? Did you call a doctor? I mean, what did you do? I'm telling you, this is the nurse's story. I mean, it was so... I mean, not all of them, of course. You know, I... I they're not, you know, it's not a, a monolithic group. They all... Everybody doesn't drink. That's right. That's right. That's true. Um, not everybody. Most of my friends do, but, you know. Um, Nothing wrong with the power of positive drinking <laughs> once in a while. But it became a habit with Frankie. It did, it did. And, um, again, that comes back to sort of Dealing with trauma and shame alone. Self-soothing. Yeah, in a self-medicating. Sense. And, self-medicating. You know, and, and all of that. And, so, and one of the things that was so amazing to me in doing the research, since you, this makes me think of it, I, w- I read a lot of the magazines back from the time Love period, that. like when, you know, 64, 65, whatever. And you'd open up a magazine, and here is an ad, full-page ad, a woman in a dress with an apron vacuuming, and it's like, take a Valium, it's fun. I'm not kidding. So they called them Mother's Little Helpers. And it's her mother that gives her, gives her pills the first time. That's right. Yeah. Her relationship with her parents and her brother Oh, wow, was that deftly drawn. Oh, thank you. Deft. Because the father just... uh, Oh, cute boots. Where are you looking? You. So cute. Thank you ever so. I didn't see those. (laughs) Thank you ever so, made in Brooklyn. Thank you ever so. I thought you meant her boots. Because yours are cute too, sis. Uh, the father and the mother, you know, you could have fallen in the vat of what parents used to be like. You know, that's... that's that, and you didn't I'm fall in that just vat. a little Mm-mm. different. You know, my parents... Um, they sound bohemian to me. My, yeah, my parents were... Like um, they, her, her mother, you'll see it, look it up, put curtains in their VW van and they went 19 states... <laughs> Five children and a dog. I, can, I think we can assume you never got hit. No, but did you ever see, you know, that little Miss Sunshine that, where you that had to push? That threw you that question. Yeah, that's, uh, that was, that well, was right, very now, much Show of hands who's been hit. 
Who was hit as a kid? Okay, I'm not making it up. Sometimes we got the crap beat out of us. I'm just asking. If that happened to you, you have a sensitivity to people that suffer. Where'd it come from? I thought you meant a car accident. Oh, no, I didn't. (laughs) Well, I think you answered the question that you've never been hit. That is true. <laughs> I'm so glad this is vodka. <laughs> now, this was also illuminating to me, and I think to, to everybody here that's a parent, is that the mom, at one, I never read this in a book in my life or saw it anywhere, ever heard it said, she said, I didn't know how to handle what happened to you. You wrote a novel about sweeping our, the, our, the worst part of our country and the worst part of ourselves under the rug. Mm-hmm. And then you have a character who is many, many things, but she's a woman of her time. And she says... I didn't know what to do. Oh, I cried like a baby when I got there. I really One did. of my favorite moments in the book, and I, don't, I probably don't remember a lot of them, but um, there's at the, as the conclu- coming up to the conclusion of the book, um, the mother and daughter just, they don't speak about Vietnam at all. You know, that's, that's just part of it. And finally, as, as Frankie is beginning to heal and to get better, she, um, she says something to her mother about monsoon season in, in Vietnam and the rain and the rats and, you know, everything. And, and there's this long pause, and then her mother says, that must have been unpleasant. Very funny. And that's like it. That's like, that's Very the be- funny. You know, it's the beginning where at least they're, they're saying something about it. And, and Frankie's like, yes, it was unpleasant. Isn't it interesting that it's women that will tell the story and we're left out of it? That's interesting. Why is that? Oh, what, what, oh, would please, you my honest just, opinion? Just, just pick any woman in the audience and she's going to go, well, I got to cook the meal, I got to clean That's the house, right. I got to do the thing. And I, I got to get the kids. After the Nightingale, I got to go to work. Women come home and get on with life. We've, you know, we have our kids, we have our schedule, we have, you know, we're doing all of these things. We're not writing about it. And, and for years, of course, we weren't in the classroom teaching, you know, right. and so our voices were lost. One of the things that is so great about this particular era that we're living in right now is people are going in search of lost and marginalized stories across the board. Yes. And it is, I think, changing the fabric of our country because we all want to be included. I hope you're all enjoying our conversation with the great Kristen Hanna. Before we dive into the audience Q&A, I just want to remind you, we've got a deal going. You can get a copy of The Women for $9.99 from bookofthemonth.com. Use code ADRI, that's A-D-R-I, 
to get your first book. Thank you, Book of the Month. It's time for questions from you. Where's Ann? Get up there at the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, Kristen Hanna. Yay! The women. What a great conversation. Oh, wait, we need a microphone. Ann. Um, first, congratulations to the women. Um, and personally, thank you for the physical ARC. Um, this was my favorite 2023 novel, and it was amazing. And I think you should be sponsored by Kleenex after this. <laughs> we're all going to need it. Um, but because we're going to be all finished with this novel by 6 o'clock tonight, um, is there anything up your sleeve for the next coming up? Uh, Are you allowed to say? Okay, show of hands. Who has an idea for me? <laughs> Anybody? I don't know. You know, for the first time, um, I'm sort of having trouble transitioning to know what to write after this book. So, uh, hang on. Maybe one. I'm going horror. Who knows? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to come over here for a question, please. Oh. Step up to the mic, please. Well, <laughs> can I lower? No. It'll pick you up. You're good. Okay. Um, I've been waiting over 50 years for this book. Um, the day after I graduated from high school in 1966, I flew to Fort McClellan in Anniston, Alabama. I wasn't a nurse. We were told only nurses and cooks could go over. But what the women in the Army back then did were the rosy riveters. We took the men, men's jobs because they were being sent over in many areas. Um, I heard a woman tell my father, why are you letting her go in the army? And I didn't want to say this word in a church, but I'm going to. <laughs> Only whores go in the service. They're whores. And I have to tell you that the male service men, some of them considered us that way. And we were called whack quack and all these other things too. A group of girls went into town on, on um, a pass one day and there were several black girls in with them. They got beat up. I was in the South. If I, I went to a bathroom one time and came out, a policeman stopped me, and he said, what were you doing in there? And I said, well, I was with my friend. We were going to the bathroom. He said, can't you read? And it said, colored only, woman's bathroom. So my brother was over there. I've lost friends from high school that went there. And I wasn't sure I was going to like the book. I was afraid of it. For 40-some years, I've wanted to write my own story about it. My hands were shaking when I opened it up, but I couldn't put it down. I read it in two and a half days. So thank you. And one of the things I learned or I realized that women have always been in war. There hasn't not been a war since I was born in 1948. 
and women have always been there. You brought it to the fore to me with the nightingale, and now this. And maybe I'll start on my story again of the women who didn't go over to Vietnam but were just as, as affected, that got spat on, that had to do with protesters, that had to do with the deniers, that women didn't belong there doing their job. Mm. So thank you. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question, please. Hi, um, I appreciate your writing so much, and as an aspiring writer, I'd love to know what your advice is. I love reading from other authors, what they tell people their processes or their biggest advice. Uh, so my advice for people who dream of writing, who want to be a writer, who think they have it in them, is to sit down and begin. Um, and push past that, that voice in your head that says you can't do it, you aren't good enough, that somehow writing is magic, that somehow, you know, you're not the person who can tell stories. Um, so sit down, start writing, and don't stop. You know, just keep writing and keep writing and keep writing and keep writing. The only way you really fail as a writer is when you stop. Because, and we were talking about this earlier, the act of writing is cathartic and therapeutic and beautiful and it sort of opens up your soul. And so whether you sell, whether people read you, that's all sort of icing on the cake. The act of writing itself is a courageous and illuminative act. So that's my advice. Thank you. Great advice. Thank you. Hi, Kristen. I hope you like my shirt. I do. I, I didn't Show realize I would be... Show everybody that shirt. Okay. Come up here. <laughs> yeah, come up here. Now you're going to see it. <laughs> turn around. You got to turn around. I thought it was a great idea. I cry when people die in a Kristen Hanna novel. That's not offensive, but it's interesting. <laughs> You're adorable, you. and those are cute pants, too. <laughs> adorable. Come back down for your question. Come on down. Did you know you were getting a fashion show? Um, so I'm really curious. My best friend is an attorney. I know you're a former attorney, and I, I feel like so many authors are former attorneys. So I'm curious, um, you could just true. tell us a little bit about your transition from attorney to author, and what was your greatest obstacle? Oh. Okay, this is kind of a this is kind of a long question. Can I answer? Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, so yes, I was an attorney, recovering, I guess now. So, <laughs> um, and to make a long story short, when I was in my third year of law school, my mother was dying of breast cancer, and um, so you know, I'm obviously hanging out at the ho in the hospital with her a lot. And one day I was complaining about my classes, and she said, you know, don't worry, honey, you're going to be a writer anyway. And it was stunning. I mean, I'd never written anything. I was a huge reader, of course. But, um, and so she said, uh, hey, you know what? We should write a book together. And so, you know, being mother and daughter, we immediately started arguing about what kind of book to write. <laughs> um, I wanted to write horror. And... <laughs> she wanted to write historical romance. And so, 
you know, we kept arguing, and she said, look, I'm sick, I'm picking, we're writing historical romance. <laughs> and so we did. So I would, every day after school, I would go to the library back then and Xerox all the pages, right? And um, anyway, so we, we planned this book. I wrote the, the first page the day she died. Um, so she never got to read anything, but she did, I did get to lean down and tell her that I had started our book. And, but then, you know, I was a lawyer, so I put everything in a box, went to law, finished law school, um, passed the bar, started practicing, and then a few years later, when I got pregnant with my son, I ended up being bedridden for a long period of time. And um, there was nothing on television. And so, you know, my husband said, well, what about that book you and Sharon were going to write? And I thought, how hard can that be? Um, like, seriously, I got seven months. I'm not doing anything. Let's write a book. And so I did. So, wow. so I sat down. And, you know, I was so talented that I didn't actually have to edit. I was able to just write the entire thing without ever a cross out. Um, and that's, you know... And then once I had my son, I just had to be an at-home mom. I just had to be. And I didn't want to go back to the law. And so I thought, I'll stick with this writing thing. And if I can right. sell a book by first grade, then I'll be a writer. Otherwise, I'll be a lawyer. That's so. the first time I've heard a story of a woman whose child gave her a job. So when you go home, check with the kids. Yeah. There we go. So that, and that's it. So, you know, the first novels I wrote during nap time. Wow. So wow. funny. I love Great Alone. Great Alone and Nightingale are my number one and number two favorite Thank novels you. of all time. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Our next question over here, please. Thank you for writing, because you are my favorite, favorite author. I have never had a favorite author until I read your books. So I was just waiting for you. Oh, so, thank you. Um, my question is kind of odd. Um, I want to know what your favorite book is that you've ever written, but I also want to know what your least favorite book is you've ever written. Whether sorry, you don't, what was the my least favorite least book favorite? you've ever written. Oh, that's easy. And your, oh, okay, I thought that was going to be a hard one. Um, and your most favorite that you've ever written. Okay, so this sounds very self-serving, and you can come back to me in a couple of years and tell me. But... The Women is my favorite novel. Okay. Um, before The Women, it would have been Nightingale. And before Nightingale, it would have been Firefly Lane. Um, yeah. Um, uh, my least favorite novel is Fly Away, the sequel to Firefly Lane. Okay. I want to ask why, but I guess I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I have a follow-up well, question to that. Least favorite? I shouldn't have written it. I mean, it's, I, I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, right, I have gonna, no answer. I just don't like it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Our next okay. question, please. Hi, you two are my all-time favorite authors. I mean, I love all your, Shoemaker's Wife. I tell everybody, read that book. Thank love you, it, darling. Love it, love it, love it. And I, this you. is real, we were on a cruise to Italy and Greece when these tickets went on sale. I called my daughter, you gotta get me two tickets. You have to get me tickets. But anyway, I'm here with my husband who is a Vietnam vet. And I've lived through that. Where you at, Joe? He's back there. He's back there somewhere. Joe. Stand up. 
He won't stand up, but anyway. But we've known each other since we were little kids. He came home from Germany on leave, went to my senior prom, and shipped out to Nam. But it's a long story, but we're still together. So, But anyway, my question is, who are your favorite authors and or books? Like, besides each other. Yes. <laughs> Both of you. I'm um, like you too, Adriana. You know, I, I still love most big, epic, emotional, character-drawn stories, character-driven stories. They can be fantasy. They, you know, I can give you examples of books like uh, Justin Cronin's The Passage, I loved. Uh, Stephen King's It, Anne Rice's The Witching Hour, uh, Good Left Undone, no, Good Left Undone, is that right? The you Good Left perfect. Undone. The Good Left Undone. Yeah. I love stories that, that transport you to a time and place that is different than your own. Pat Conroy, um, mm. one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I loved Shadow of the Wind, Carlos Ruiz Zafon. Those are a few. Okay. Lonesome Dove. No, Larry McMurtry. I was reading that, and I can't get into it. I gave up. I said, I can't do this. I gave up on Lonesome Dove. But Adriana, what about you? What about you, Adriana? I started with Big Stone Gap with you. It's so hard. <laughs> but I just went on a bender. I was telling Kristen this backstage about um, Paul Through, who wrote The Great Railway Bazaar. So he started out in nonfiction, and then he started writing novels, and he just had a novel come out called Burma Sahib, oh, okay. which is about George Orwell, before he was George Orwell, Ooh. in Burma when he was a cop because the... England would send you when you were a young man off. Hmm. It was a great read with this. Okay. It, 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 was, it was George Orwell. So yeah, that's a great one. Okay. I like him. There's so many I like, I can't name them all. Yeah. But you I'll send you a list. You were told about the <laughs> And Lisa Scottolini is another of my favorites. She was a lawyer in Philly, because I'm from Who's Philly. Who's that? You tell. Scottolini. <laughs> Lisa Scottolini. Lisa Scottolini. She's amazing. She's fantastic. She's, she's got one her. coming out next week. Don't yeah, miss it. Go see, yeah, yeah they, what happened to the Devlins? Devlin, yeah, she's yeah. one of my favorites. So. Fantastic. But she did the transition from attorney to yeah. author. So. Well, That's great. You, we, you support you your Philly you authors. I love yes. that. All right, our next question is over on this side, please. Hi, Adri. Sandy Caselica. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> good. <laughs> you look good, Sam. Thank you. Love Got a new man in your life? <laughs> no, the same I'm one sorry, you met before. I'm sorry, she's done a 360 since the last time I saw her. <laughs> Teasing you. Well, you know we love you. Um, my question is, you've, both, you've written both uh, novels based on historical events, Vietnam War, World War II, and other novels based on more modern times, a la Firefly Lane. So I was wondering if you have a preference for timelines. Um, I don't, no, I don't think I have a preference. Um, they, they kind of, the, the arc of my career sort of is the arc of my growing up from a young mother, young writer to not so young <laughs> writer. Um, and, you know, at first I really wrote about the women I knew, you know, and, and what we were facing as young mothers, as young working women, you know, all of that. And then, um, as I got older, I started looking outward, and, and I started realizing that that I wanted to write about, you know, women I didn't know and women in other times. 
But I may, I could write a contemporary novel next again. You never know. Thank you. All right. Less our, research. Our next question over here, please. Hi, I'm Kristen. I just wanted to thank you so much. Um, you got me through breastfeeding four children. Oh. <laughs> and reading your books, I mean, I'm, you are my favorite author. So um, my question is about Firefly Lane and the adaptation for Netflix. Um, what's your thoughts of them kind of changing your work <clears throat> a little bit? Um, it was a really interesting process, uh, the Firefly Lane thing. And there were, in the great, in the, in the broadest sense, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching a series that was about two women who were best friends and that friendship mattered throughout their lives and they had ups and downs and that part felt very, very real to me. And I wrote Firefly Lane um, because of my mother's breast cancer. That was, I, that was the, the age I was, I was 40 and I suddenly needed to know my mom and there was no way to get to know her. So the way I process life is I write about it and so I created this story that was very personal to me to find my mother. And so the whole, you know, cancer and Kate arc, I really loved. It really touched me a lot and I thought the, the Catherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk were amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, I just wanted to say you both are my all-time favorite authors. Adrienne, we have met numerous times. And, Many times. Uh, Kristen, I was reading um, Firefly Lane when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it actually saved her life and prolonged it because that's when she found it, was reading it. So thank you for writing um, books that are important. Um, my question is, do you outline all your books, even the contemporary books, or does the customer, uh, the character's voice more drive it forward? Um, so I, 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 I wouldn't say I outline, so she's asking about my process here. Um, I don't begin a book until I know the beginning, the middle, and the end. And I do a very detailed, what's called a synopsis. It's, so it's like a narrative version of the, the high points of the book. And I spend a lot of time editing that, you know, trying to get it right, trying to make it exactly what I think the book should be. And then I sit down and write the book, uh, and write a completely different book for some bizarre reason. Um, and my process is such that I change all the time. I mean, I'm constantly throwing stuff away, like in The Four Winds, for example. Um, that had a whole nother 200 pages after that ending that went to Hollywood in the 30s. Um, and when I wrote, you and I talked about this in our thing, I wrote the whole uh, first draft of the novel and Elsa wasn't even a character. Um, because I'm constantly like trying to figure out what it, what it is I have to say um, in, in the process. So yes, I outline and no, I don't follow it and it's a terrible, <laughs> Terrible process. Thank you very much. And you say women can be heroes, and I just wanted to let you know that you are both my heroes. So thank you. Love very much. you. Thank you. Thank you, thank my you. love. Next question, please. Um, so I, I love the Nightingale. That's one of my favorites. Um, that was 
I started a book club, and that was our second book that we read. Yeah. Um, and so we, we love it. We're here today, too. Um, but we want to know, uh, when is the movie coming oh. out? <laughs> the Nightingale movie. Yes, I'll clap for that, too. Um, well, Nightingale has had some, you know, bad luck in that uh, in March of 2020, everybody was in Europe getting ready to film. And um, we were, I think we were 14 days from filming and the pandemic hit and everybody locked down. And so that took us out for like 18 months and then they were ready to go again. And then the writers went on strike and then, then the, the actors. actors went on strike. And so uh, it's, it's been a little rocky, but uh, I can tell you that we have a beautiful script by Dana Stevens um, and a great director, and I actually believe that The Nightingale will film in 2024. Go ahead with our next question, please. Believe it or not, that was my question, too. <laughs> So I don't have a question, so I'm sitting all the way in the back. Do you mind if I come over there and take a picture of you guys close up? Sure. <laughs> While she does that, we'll wait till you guys smile for a picture quick. While she does that, tell me, who drove more than three hours to get here today? Thank you, my love. Who drove more than four hours to get here today? Who drove more than five hours to get here today? How about six hours? Seven hours? Eight hours? Wow. I think you've got some pretty good fans. How far did you drive? Uh, we were on the other side of St. Louis. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. 13 hours. Wow. Wow. Is this your book club? No. My daughter gave me this ticket for Christmas. Oh, the Christmas gift. Oh, awesome. Wow. Was it worth Thank it? You. Uh. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I am the unfortunate bearer of bad news. One. Kristen has to go. So we have time for one more question. I'm so sorry. So please go ahead How with your question. How about the lady question. with the heart? Well, I don't... Don't get mad, girls. Go, 49ers. No, 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 no. We're going to answer these questions. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah okay. we're going to answer these questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go you, ahead. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah. Thank you. I've got nowhere to be. <laughs> Me either. In fact, I might Sorry. take a 13-hour ride with you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I was just going to say the same thing happened to me when I had the chance to meet Donny Osmond and the line got cut off and I, I didn't get to... <laughs> I, it was right at, at where I was and they told me I couldn't get to meet him and I was, like, devastated. <laughs> But Adriana, you're my favorite. Love you. My, I wish I could have brought my grandson Dominic because I had him with me the last time. He was this big. Yep. How big uh, is he now? And it's amazing. We, my daughter and I were standing in line and we hadn't seen her since her fourth, the final book of Big Stone Gap, which was like 2007. Oh. And this was 2022. And she saw us standing in line and she remembered us. And my daughter's like, you made my mom's life. <laughs> I have very few skills, but that's one of them. Yeah. And I, at that time... You know what I mean, girl. When I originally met her, I had hair like her. And when I stood up 
to, to ask a question. She's like my long lost sister. But <laughs> Kristen, my first book that I read of yours was on Mystic Lake. Oh, and yeah. um, I was gonna ask the question about the Nightingale movie, but my favorite is The Winter Garden. Oh, I just you. love that book. Beautiful. I, it was very slow in the beginning. I wasn't sure if I was gonna like it, and by the end, I was in tears. I've been a, a, a fan of reading since my golden books when my parents would come home with them from the grocery store. And my ultimate thing is I always say if I could have a dinner party, it would be with Adriana, Laura Ingalls Wilder, and Judy Bloom. Ah. So this is like the closest to having a dinner party. Well, we better hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Invite better us hurry. to a dinner party. Thank Our you. next Thank question you. over here, please. Hi there. Um, so I'll be really quick. I'm a veteran's disability benefits attorney, but an aspiring writer. So I wanted to peel back some of your research process. I thought it was really interesting how much of Frankie's story was anchored in the different events happening throughout history. And I was wondering, when you were writing it, did you do all your research first and then plan her story around it or plan her story and then insert your research into it? I do all of the research first. And I mean, that doesn't mean I'm not researching because you always come up with things, you know, that you think you need. But the way I do it is I, I read all the, the general books, you know, and I put everything on a note card. I'm very old school. I still write my books by hand on yellow legal pads. Me too. Um, and so, so anything that I come across, I just put a, I, I, um, I put it on a yellow legal card. And, and then I almost kind of ultimately put them in order of escalating conflict. Um, because one of the things, I just work really, really hard at trying to give you, you know, all of this, this information and the story arc, but to do it in a way that you have to keep turning the pages. But, and, and that is, if, you're, if you are an aspiring writer, my best advice is remember that books are about conflict. It's conflict ex escalation. And my books are like, <laughs> there's a lot of conflict escalation, right? I mean, things get worse and worse and worse. And that's because that's what keeps readers turning the pages. Great Thank question. You. Thank you. Thank Our you. next question, please. Hi. You covered uh, the first part of my question, which was about when the film was going to come out, which... Oh. I'm sure everybody wanted to know, so thank you for that. The second part is, how do you pick these names for these characters? Uh, you know, it's so interesting. I don't know about you. If the character's name isn't right, you can't write the book. It's true. It's so it's weird. True. And you think to yourself, how can that be? I mean, because I made it up. So it has to be right, right? How can I, like, you know, sabotage myself that way? But I have. And in, in this particular book, um, her name is Frances. She comes from a Catholic family, and she's named after her grandfather who, who served. Um, and, and so, you know, I called her Frankie. And I just, I didn't like it and didn't like it. I kept trying other names, other names, other names. Because it seems like there's been a lot of Frankie characters all of a sudden. Mm. And when I started this book, it seemed like there were none. And so anyway, bottom line is Frankie like asserted her will and said, this is my name, get out of my head and just keep working. And Tallulah, where did that come from? What? Tallulah Hart. Oh, well, you know, if you're gonna write a character like Tully Hart, 
you need a weird name. You know, Absolutely. right? And I usually start with uh, baby name books. Uh -huh. So there you go. Thank you very much. All right, our next question over here, please. Hello. Um, first of all, my family is Italian Catholic, so I resonate with you big time. <laughs> Um, so very quickly, um, my dad's number was called during Vietnam, um, and before he was going to report to, I guess, uh, basic training, the war was over. It was probably about two weeks before. So I've always thought, like, would I even be here, or how different would my life be if my dad had gone? Um, and so I took a very detailed college course on it, learned so much. So when I saw that this, that your new book was about that war, I was like, this is great because it's 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 not talked about enough. And it's not, sir, I haven't seen anything in fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so my question would be, um, is there any other war in history that you would like to tackle that's maybe not addressed in fiction? You know, I keep, I'm obviously, I love war. Who knew? Um, uh, I think it's just, the, you know, the stakes. Again, I was talking about conflict es escalation. You can't get bigger stakes than someone going to war. Um, and I just love big, big drama like that. Um, the only war probably left uh, would be World War I. And I, I haven't had an idea for that yet, but I would write about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank Our you. next question, please. Hi. Um, I'm just curious as to whether or not you still read sci-fi and fantasy. Oh, good question. I haven't had that one before. Um, no. I mean, no. I don't really read sci-fi anymore. I do still read... Um, epic fantasy. Okay. Um, I do still read horror. I read a lot of thrillers, um, but no sci-fi. Okay. Was there a certain book that inspired you to become a writer? Well, when I was, so as I said, I, I had to teach myself to write when I was in bed with, you know, my son. And then, and then after that, because surprisingly, I, um, I sent out this genius manuscript. Um, <laughs> And nobody wanted it. I mean, and I had already been planning book tours and how I was gonna, like, get childcare, you know. Um, and so I had to teach myself, you know, for quite a while. And I did it by um, deconstructing some favorite novels. And they were um, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Prince of Tides, uh, Interview with a Vampire, Dune. And it, I think, Stephen King. Maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't that one, but anyway. And so those were the novels that, that was what I dreamed of doing, I think. All right, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our final question of the afternoon. Oh, wait, one more, oh, one more. This one, yeah. yep, right here. Yeah, Anne said it. Anne oh. was setting it up. Oh, well, yep, I'm sorry. I'm setting okay. her up. This, this <laughs> I was good, Anne. I'm sorry. That was good. Hi, Kristen. Um, my name is Barb Smith, mm -hmm. and you were my birthday present. Oh. I turned 85 today. Oh. And we found the article about your talk in the newspaper when my daughter was visiting from Massachusetts. And I thought, that's great, but I can't afford it. My daughter gave me 
two tickets, one for me and one for a friend. And it's wonderful to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Barb. Barb. Photo. Kristen's going to lead over 2,000 people and happy birthday to you. You stay right there. Yeah. You ready? ready? All right, well, we'll try. Go. I'm a little hoarse. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Barb. Happy birthday to you. Ladies and gentlemen, we found the one thing that Kristen Hanna can't do. She can't sing. <laughs> I tried to tell you. I love you, but I that's know. not good. <laughs> We're in a church. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the book. <laughs> write to Kristen. Write to me. We love you. Thank you for being here. Yay. Thank you. Dear listeners, thank you all for joining us for another exciting episode of You Are What You Read with the luminaries and the great thinkers of our time. We could not have brought you this episode with Kristen Hanna without our hosts at the Lancaster, Pennsylvania Library System. Their all-star library committee rolled into town and treated us with such grace and style. We'll never forget it. And I encourage you to support your local libraries because the United States library system is the greatest in the world. And it's a treasure for all of us who live in the United States. Now, remember, you can follow us on Instagram at you are what you read podcast or at Adriana Trajani for more updates, videos from our interviews, inside information. Listen, we just have a great time. Please leave your reviews. Your feedback is always appreciated, and we read it, we pay attention. Thank you all for tuning in to hear the number one author with the number one book in the country, The Women by Kristen Hanna, today. And always, always, thank you for reading.